Okay. <laughs> it's uh, gonna be one of those countdown. nights. Have you been drinking? Five, four, three, three two, 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 one. one. Well, I really want to thank everybody and appreciate I, I, in advance, want to appreciate you putting up whatever this happens to sound like from your end. Uh, <laughs> this is the this is the 22nd episode of the Mosby Learning Podcast. My name's Dan Hurt. I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario. And my name is Adam Kostex. I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. And I'm Cynthia Gibbs from Sleetville, Texas. Sleetville? Sleetville. You made that up. Sleetville. <laughs> Sleet filled? Yeah, we have sleet. Okay. In this town I well, live in. It does sound cold there. It's cold up here as well. It's How does cold it sound cold? Well, just based on the complaints I'm hearing. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for coming back after episode 21. There, 21. That was uh, for those of you that heard of it. It was it was an interesting episode where me and Adam we. We talked about some stuff, and then we texted about that stuff for two days, and then we researched, and then we argued, and then we had a great time, and then we're back to do it all over again. But of course, we brought a friend, and <clears throat> while, we, while we may have discussed pay wage gaps in the last episode, I assure you, all three of us are making the exact same dollars from this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and after last episode, our sponsors are, are gone, so... There we yeah, go. yeah, the yeah. three that were left. Yes. So what this but, basically um, says is Eli and I can never let you two do podcasts <laughs> alone anymore. That could be. That could be. Probably well, not. you know, I mean, we we get along well, but we're we're not the same person. But that's what's important about this. That's what's important. And you know what? So here's quite honestly, um, to, to both you guys and everybody else out there that's listening. That's one of the reasons why. Um, I have the people that I have on this podcast because they're not me. You guys aren't Thank me. I'm goodness. not you. We, isn't that the case, though? But we, we're different people, and that's a good thing. We want to hear those different ideas, those different concepts. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about before we... Well, actually, two things. Three, maybe? I don't know. Show notes for this episode. You're going to find those at mosby.ca slash 22 uh, if you wanted to send us an email, Adam, well, have you have you gotten email, Adam? I have not. And you no, know, okay. I, so, check it, I check it on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's like one of those, uh, it's like a presidential alert when it comes in on your phone. You know, it's like mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. It's just going to be super, super loud. But uh, mosbylearning at gmail.com is where you can send us a, a complaint, a compliment, or some sort of uh, question, I guess, if you wanted to. Now, this uh, Gibbs, you weren't uh, you weren't here last week, but I did want to let you know that we are going to have a uh, an additional four episode ban on discussing H. What? Not allowed. Not ready. No, no, not allowed to be brought up on the podcast. And in fact, I'm going to bleep my reference to HSP just a few seconds ago. I'll have to bleep that one too uh, because it's just, it's too much. It's out of control. It's, well, can't <laughs> it's help absolutely it. rampant. <laughs> you better help it or otherwise it's getting bleeped. Um, so just a quick heads up there. Now, I, I don't really have any social media updates. Did uh, Adam, anything you wanted to touch on? 
No, no. Um, no. Okay. You know, okay, so there, just a real quick thing that did that we did see, and I'm not going to mention names, I'm not going to mention, mention anything. There was a few episodes ago where we were talking about the ATD capability model, and there was something that, uh, that a couple of us saw tonight about the value of credentialing, uh, either pro or con, you know, what are the odds? And I'm not saying there's no value to credentials, but let me tell you, I think there's too much weight put on them, and there was some some huffing and puffing done uh, being done about that on LinkedIn earlier today, and, and I think so, you know, reasonably like so. Like PhDs of or you well, have specifically, a- uh, 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 it was an ATD credential specifically. That what was that, Adam? Did you have something to say? There? <laughs> no. Oh, because I just heard a little sniff. Is all that's yeah, all. Like, okay. a, like a, um, a certification or something. Yeah, that's right. CLPPL7? I don't know. Um, But see, that's the thing. I don't take things... I don't take credentials overly serious. I mean, I I feel there's value in them for sure. But the thing is, it shouldn't necessarily be a gate that you have to... You don't have to... You didn't have to know the secret handshake, you know? Who cares? Who cares, I think, with a lot of this stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that's it. Uh, later on in the uh, the episode, well, hopefully we're going to talk about a couple of cool headlines. One about roses and how they smell. One about uh, well, micro learning is going to come up. Speaking of TD, we're going to have an article from them about micro learning, and um, maybe we'll just poke fun. Who knows? And we're also going to talk about how see this this headline, man. I tell you what, I did some I did some digging. It's funny. It's funny. All you what was that, Adam? Did you have something you wanted to jump in on? I did not, Dan. Thank you. Okay. All right. I just want to check. Um, tra- training new employees sucks. Three ways to make it faster, easier, and more effective. Uh, I'm going to tell you why I take big issue with that headline when we get there, because it doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Specifically, one thing in there doesn't make any sense. There is an article that I saw on Florida Man the other day, and I have not been able to successfully open that article today Me at either. all. Me either. I don't know what's the going on. Thing. All right. Well, anyways, I I have the gist of it because that's really all you need from Florida, man. And um, we'll touch on that. Also, we're going to look at um, what are we going to talk about at the end here towards the end? We're going to talk about a training intake. And and what, how do we formalize this sort of thing? What do we talk about? What questions are we asking? Are, is it appropriate to push back? All those sort of things. We'll talk about that later. And we do, I do have an envelope. I haven't even opened it. I have an envelope from Portland, so we'll see what that is. I haven't really been looking forward to hearing from them, given the content of last week's episode, but we'll see what they had to say. All right. Um, so let's jump into this first one here. Smell of roses, even during sleep. Shows to help improve learning success by as much as 30%. Now, did you guys have a chance to peek at this one? Crock. Crock? What (laughs) does that mean? Are you you churning butter? It's a bunch of crock. It's a bunch of crock. Why do you say that? With such conviction, too. Because, I mean, personally, I'm sitting here thinking, like, I want to know each of these students. Like, how smart were these students already? And really, what was this vocabulary test words? What like, were the words? So, like, complexity. So, let's, let's do a quick yeah. breakdown of the actual thing. This is, comes from the, uh, um, this is by... Although, I will say, you know, um, in a company that will not be named, when we were building the building, I learned that the color of either, the rugs <laughs> you can't do this mentally <laughs> helps people what? emotionally like to be at work. Wait, what, what color was the rug? Taupe? I, no, I was gonna say I, I, I didn't hear that. 
the color oh. of the rugs. Yeah, I, you know, so, I, I, can't, I don't even know who you're talking about right now, so that's that's fine. So, um, okay, so I was reading this article, and they're like, oh, the smells you have mentally made these kids smarter, whatever. Yeah. But so, like, but then we were building a site, right? And um, they chose these multicolored tiles of rug mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. laid down in our cafeteria. Mm-hmm. It was all mm-hmm. these crazy colors, like, you know, the rainbow, and not just the rainbow, but all these colors mixed together. And when we were, they were putting them down, we said, why did they choose this color? And they said, because science has showed that the these colors and then the placement of they are make people want to not stay in this room for a long time. Therefore, they have shorter lunches. And get back to work. Oh, that's like the seats at McDonald's, or at least how they used to be. Yeah, and so maybe this, I was thinking, it made me think of that when I was reading this article. Interesting. What is it doing mentally or emotionally to people that, I don't know, maybe it's helping them focus or getting better sleep? So, like, you know, different colors, you do definitely, like, I hate walking into Target. So, it's like red everywhere. It's just very... What? It's red. The red is just in your face. It's all over the place. It, I, it, it, I get You got offended. stopped and asked if you were an employee at Target, huh? Because you walked in with a red shirt. <laughs> I did not. It's just too red. It, it's very, like, from a color perspective, it's one of the worst colors. When you walk into Target, next time you well, go in there. they have a lot of white there, too, don't they? Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's next time like you go in there, red it, there's red, it's bright red every single where you go, everywhere yeah, you go. but they got the cute dog and everything. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah, I don't I, shop at Target, so... How do you feel about people with red hair, Adam? Let me ask you this. Well, if you're Ginger from Gilligan (laughs) Islands, he feels pretty good. (laughs) You know, well, okay. But if you're Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson, really, who is what we're all thinking of, obviously. Well, yeah. Obviously. And and I will say, and I'm going to change the subject here on smell of, you know, I don't know if the smell... I'm not comfortable with that segue, I'm to be not. honest. <laughs> no. uh, I don't know if smell will help. I, I know smell could make it worse, right? Like there was somebody. Yeah, so you know. my other question is how bad does that classroom smell? Okay, so what we'll do, let's just briefly overview the article for God's sakes, <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll kvitch here. Um, so this comes from uh, the Good News Network. I have no idea who they are, but of course, show notes will include the links, and those will be found at mosby.ca/slash zero two two. And uh, here, here's kind of the the high level here. Uh, this is it was a German study, if you can imagine that. Uh, and her name is Newman. To, <laughs> was it? Her was name it, is oh, Newman. The, the researcher's name was Newman. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Seinfeld. Just like Seinfeld. According to an extensive new laboratory (laughs) sleep study, German researchers found that smells have a very supportive effect on learning success when presented both during learning and sleep. Now, I I don't know why they felt that they're like, "Mm, you know what, it's good enough that we do it while the kids are learning, but we should really... Have this smell by them while they're sleeping, too. Maybe there's something that's got to do with, like, the brain decompressing. And this would probably be good to have somebody smarter than us on here to talk about this. But uh, we're all you got, folks. Um, the, but the the idea that maybe the brain's got to relax and compress and it processes the information from the day, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But the... Um, 
it was interesting because there's a couple things in here. It says, here's another article or another piece that I pulled out of there. This, this can be achieved very easily outside the lab. And I have actually considered doing something like this in a training, like uh, maybe like a week long training session. So if we're doing system training, what happens if we just, if, what happens if we brought in cookies? We, we lit a candle or oh, <laughs> bring in a cookie. People are going to well, be so happy. Here, so here's but well and that's a nice thing to tie <laughs> things with uh, to good associations too but you know there's always those smells that you, you you hear the anecdote a lot of you know it smelled like home or cooking cinnabon. or those sort of things it's like going to the well, mall and sure. you smell like cinnabon there you go um but, but so that's or the same thing though I disneyland mean, down main oh street boy. do you know this adam <laughs> that uh they oh, they <laughs> uh send out smells they do. As you're walking to Main Street of, like, cotton candy and stuff? They do. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and not just cotton candy, but, I mean, other places. Because I was thinking as I read this, a hotel that I stayed in, this was eight, nine years ago in, in uh, Vegas. I think it was called Videra, which I thought was a strange name because there was a V and then there was a D in the, the first two letters of the name. And considering um, I've never heard of that hotel, you were way off strip. <laughs> no, well, it was like yeah, no, was like a one block away. It was behind the Bellagio or something. Um, <laughs> in the corner, it wasn't. It wasn't in the desert by a down gun the range. Alley. I'm just saying. Down the alley, okay. you enter through oh, the kitchen. Right. I feel like you're detracting from the story now. <laughs> the uh, but they had there was a very distinct smell in the hotel. You know, so obviously there was there was something in the uh, they they had like a, a custom smell for the hotel. I've heard of this before. You know, you guys I, heard I've of heard of that because I, I remember uh, actually a guy's trip for Vegas. We went into a dive ho- hotel that's no longer there, and I, I believe it was the Tropicana, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the one that was raised. Buddy looks over at me and uh, kind of the group. He goes, "That gentleman is the smell of despair," and it was you know dumpy, <laughs> the dumpy hotel, the old one. That's the smell of despair. And then you walk in the Bellagio, who has beautiful flowers and everything, and just smells nice. It's a casino, mm-hmm. and it still smells nice when people are smoking, smoking cigars. Mm-hmm. It smells fantastic. But I don't yeah, know. But that see, that's that's why I was going back to why did this schoolroom smell really bad. Well, and so it's distracting really the kids from well, from working, but now that they have a nice smell, they can now focus. What they did was they put these scent sticks near the students, um, maybe directly on the students, I don't know, but at least near the students while they were studying studying in school, while they were <laughs> studying at home, they put them like by their by did their they help desk them with their stuttering too. <laughs> it might. I don't know. <laughs> That's a, there's going to be another German study about that. Um, and then they put it on like the bedside table for like while the kids were sleeping. And, but it's a super small sample group. Super freaking small, right? There's 54 kids in this. So who cares almost? That That is not a big enough sample size for it to really be, you know, or, you know everybody's st- confident with this. Stu- studies show that the more sleep you get the met better physically your body is and um, mentally so maybe it it descent helped them sleep better which in turn helped them to learn better i think as a as a general policy going forward now and adam you may agree with this uh, anytime we're talking about studies we need to have uh, references and and specific because let me tell you <laughs> You're going to spend the next my, week my having C- to track that we one down. We learned some lessons, I think. My CG trainer told me that. 
There. There's my well, reference. Tell them to, to CG stand, ladies and gentlemen. CG stands for Camp Gladiator. It's uh, or Cynthia like Gibbs. Th- or <laughs> Cynthia. Oh my gosh, you're a <laughs> Cynthia Gibbs trainer. Helped you with that. So it showed this uh, this article. It says that uh, the students showed a significant increase in learning success by about 30%, which is pretty good, right? 30%. Yeah. That's, so. that's significant enough to say, should we bring in cookies while we're training people? And then when they do an assessment, should we give them cookies? And then when they're on the job should we also be giving them cookies to remind them of the things they need to be reminded of so that's yes. about 18 kids. 18 kids 18 kids mm-hmm. i think it's 26 and 26 well i just did it in my head 27 that's 18 27 kids. About 18 27 kids. 27 what do you mean 18 kids well 30% oh, of no, 54 okay. kids is about 33% the is about increase in learning success so they know they had a list of vocabulary vocabulary words so i would say if they had 100 words maybe some kids remembered 100 some remembered 130 words something like that so i don't think it was 30% of the kids are smarter than the others i don't know if that's how it was done oh in learning sick yeah, so, uh, well, okay. I, know, I know you read uh, the articles. I appreciate that. Maybe, uh, I did. You know, I did read get it. Get into the details next time. I did read it. I know. All right. Uh, are, is there anything else you guys want to throw in on that one? Is, is this something you'd be willing to try as an experiment? If it were, so let me ask you this. If, it, if the cost, if the investment in this was less than $5, would you invest in uh, doing it for the next session? Like where, where it was, you had the... The, the sort of setup were you able to do that well and a lot of people bring those um you know those oil thingies i hate them yeah they smell really bad especially <laughs> in smaller areas but that's I think it supposed depends to, on the kind of oil you're putting i yeah. mean that's supposed to really help people too i heard i think it's more a placebo effect but i think the one thing that you run into is then all of a sudden it's like that you know person who puts on too much cologne or the person that brings in an air freshener that just drives you nuts because it smells <laughs> oh my gosh like the other and, day oh my correct, gosh right Adam. there was one and all you know, right okay all um, right. a recent story that we had that you know there was one in, in there and it was just too much it was it, it just over um i guess over pollinated i guess is the right word right so it, it, it was just too wait pollinated I, I don't know what's the right word for that well, and, there's right just, too much. and there's diffused? just some new diffused some smells that are just too strong was there wafting involved <laughs> well i find out i find that like the ones with vanilla are really so strong vanilla. i like vanilla i was yeah. hoping this would be a vanilla podcast no, it's not going to be vanilla. So I, I, I think yeah. it could work. Five dollars, guys. Five dollars. That's the investment. Would you be willing to do? Time. Gibbs, let's do cookies in the next class. Let's see what happens. We do have it cookies every a, day in my one it class. It could be a scented candle. It could be a harmless nope. scented candle cookies. that smells like a hotel in Vegas. Yeah, it could. Just think about it. Maybe chew it over. All right. Two more articles here, and then um, then we'll touch on a couple other things. Uh, so let's do. Um, pref- let me ask you preferences Cynthia what are we doing next I'd like to do? go in line because like that's how yes, I you open. do all right so who was next that was keeping up with the evolving regulations compliance uh, training yeah and Mike you said in line I'm just following uh, yeah following I know I just saying because uh, this article man because oh, <clears throat> it's about microlearning but that's okay we're not gonna we're not gonna 
beat this dead horse too badly. Um, so this is from TD.org. I think it was, right? And this I found by... Guys, I'm starting to notice a trend with articles that are about learning material that there's not a lot of journalism per se. There's not a, a ton yeah. of altruism. People just writing articles. They're usually sponsored by somebody. And this one happens to be sponsored by Alan Calm, um, which is, I think, a division of Alan Interactive, maybe. Or, I, I don't know who they are. But, uh, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. But they're Alan Calm. And um, that's who is responsible for this bit of content and the the gist of this one is you know compliance training is tricky is there a solution to satisfy the needs of dare i say a modern learner uh which i already regret saying i might even bleep that out <laughs> the um so so the question that they kind of asked towards the end of the intro is so how so so how can compliance training become more relevant and applicable while adhering to regulations as they continue to change. Why and are you continuing to try to be German? That wasn't German. That was oh. just newsreader voice, yeah. Oh, okay. Come oh, on, that's not German. <laughs> um, what's your, give me your German, your, your German accent. I don't do any of those. Hmm. Mm, that's right, you don't. All right. Um, <laughs> so so the, the point is that people seem to take to micro learning well uh, and that we want to try to use that. But the question is, is it actually a good match for the content? And one of the issues that they bring up here is that a potential I'm not going to use any voices here. Uh, a potential pitfall is uh, that smaller chunks of content could lead to a lack of coherent messaging. So lessons may feel disconnected, which I thought was interesting. Do you guys have any concerns around disconnected messaging when it comes to the micro learning content that you have created? I think it depends on the industry. Why? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're in, okay, I don't know, the education industry, uh -huh. right? Or you're in a uh, medical industry or anything, it's, it's got the compliance training is going to look different. And there's parts, I think, when you look at us in the industry we're in, in the financial industry, there's so many laws and stuff. It's like some of it's really hard to make, into, I think, into shorter things. Although it's always mm -hmm. too much, but because of the regulations and stuff, there's stuff you have to go through no matter what. Now, if it's like a company compliance thing, I guess you could say, like uh, sexual harassment or like how to use social media appropriately um, or like things like that, you know, like workplace environment kind of stuff. Sure, I think micro learning would be great. Um, but for like laws and stuff, I it, it's rough, I think. Hmm. Adam, what are your thoughts here? I tend to disagree. I actually think it's it's probably a good use of uh, getting the point across to the specific nugget that you want to learn. Because at the end of the day, most compliance training, and it doesn't really matter what industry you're in, most of that mandatory training, that's long form, long training, people gloss over most of it, and mm -hmm. then they just do enough to pass the test. So, But I when I see 13 micro learning trainings compared to one, that overwhelms me more than just the one long one. 
I think you'll get more. Hmm. I, I think you'll get more. Um, the learner's going to learn more by going through those 13 micro learning lessons than what they will do in one long form course. And they'll learn what, what's most important. And if it's designed correctly, the that's most important the key. Po- well that's the key right so it's if it's yeah. designed we're just talking about chunking it sounds like you're just talking about chunking adam um and there's what would be the difference i mean really what is the difference well, i'm not saying and put I it all in up- i'm saying you got to summarize like if, if you take a law most compliance courses is just to answer a specific question on the law it's not to understand mm-hmm. everything about the law and i think you can just get the specifics i don't think you need to go into the depth that most compliance mm-hmm. needs to go through besides checking the box and then they'll yeah. pass the test anyway. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I absolutely agree that most compliance training is too in depth. And the problem is I think sometimes we rely on, well, it's, it's because everybody's freaked out about getting sued. So uh-huh. how do we, how do we create a situation where nobody's freaked out about getting sued? Uh, I guess you have to get rid of frivolous lawsuits, and then how do you de- how do you pick which ones are frivolous and which ones are legitimate, and where do people actually take advantage of of, of whether it's a borrower or a customer or a client or anything like that? And I, it's it, it's hard. I think that's one of those things where if we all if one day if we all just decided to chill out a little bit, that would be the same thing by saying. Well, can compliance training just be easier? So I honestly don't know if we're ever going to get there by having less content. I think if there's some way we can make the content more accessible and because, you know, a textbook, let's take a textbook, for example, it's very nutrition dense. Like there's not a lot of, not a lot of excitement. There's probably not a lot of uh, filler, not a lot of fun in there. Maybe there is, I don't know, but I have my doubts. I've read enough of them. So Anything that's a step away from a textbook that would cover the same material kind of has to be stretched out a little bit to maybe add some connectors between different ideas or to add a story to it or to add some humor to it. So my concern is that we're probably going to have to keep the same amount of compliance material. And then if we want to make it better at all, we have to stretch it out, which which doesn't sound fun to me. I mean, I'd rather make it fun, but to do that, I have to stretch it out. And now I have to justify to an organization, why would, should we spend 45 minutes training somebody on what's really a half an hour's worth of content that they're still never going to use in two years? Right. Or, you know, or, it's, or, it's a well, very hard sell. It, it, it's... What, what's the actual purpose? Is, is the purpose to check the box to say you got compliance training it's, or is yeah, it to teach to somebody what, what's actually well, relevant, right? Because I think be... it's to throw the employee under the bus when they still <laughs> up and they, they screw something up terribly. Right. But, that, but I think that's what it is. Oh, we trained them. No, they got training. Sure. They got world-class training. Uh-huh. So I, I, think the, I think the bigger argument, though, is to make – do you make – compliance training better training in general right because most of the compliance training is a powerpoint slapped into a you know a camp t- uh, into a captive a file or articulate file yeah. that that powerpoint in your interaction is click next to continue yeah. i mean like, that's horrible design training or or some of the ones that we're doing have a jeopardy game with no context to it you still need to hit 80 percent it, it's designed poorly so mm-hmm. if you're saying like it may not be micro learning might not be the answer, but better designed compliance training probably is the answer if you well, actually sure. want people to learn. But I think most companies and most most areas are just checking the box from a legal perspective. We did it. They were trained. Yeah. And we have a right, that they were trained because they got 80 percent on a test. 
Where I struggle is a lot of the compliance training. We, you know, because we support groups that have to do it, we're having to do it. Yet we're not. <laughs> yeah, it just well, makes well, me you crazy. Guys are training, so you, you should take it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes me crazy. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, when yeah, am yeah. I ever going to use this? Mm-hmm. So, well, just to jump back to the article here for a second, there was a name that came to mind when one of the things that came in here, uh, and it was a, a woman that I saw speak at the uh, the ICE conference. And so I went to a conference in uh, last May. Uh, it was the ICE conference. Oh, wait, was in, that the uh, one you spoke at? Was that, was that yeah, that I may have spoke at the ICE yeah. conference in May. Yeah, about micro learning. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, so did this uh, this young lady, Shannon Tipton, and she was pretty fired up about a lot of stuff. I think I've got her name right, and apologies if I didn't. But um, one of the things, you know, and so the potential pitfall, blah, 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 I think I already read this, but the potential pitfall is that smaller chunks of content could lead to a lack of coherent messaging, so the lessons may feel disconnected. Now, she had specifically said in her session, which I, maybe, I, I mean, she's been at the game longer than I have, um, so... I, I, you know, I defer to her, but the, she had said that micro learning is not micro learning if it's part of a process and you learn that part of the process and then you go to the next part of the process. That's not micro learning, she had said. And I thought, well, I don't know. So let's say I have a process with eight steps and I know four of them and then I watch a small video or I get a job aid on step five and then I find my way through six, seven, and eight. Well, to me, that's micro learning. But if I've got content that's available for steps one through eight, so what? So the the continuation of the material, I don't know if that takes it out of. And, and I think if I've got it right, I think what she says is, no, that doesn't count as micro learning because it's maybe just a small chunk of a larger piece of content that the actual content itself should only be uh, like you have the whole top to bottom story in like less than blank minutes. Right. And but is she, is she getting more at it's micro learning is just not chunking and just cutting and that micro learning should be designed I, around that one portion or is she more saying just if it's in a process, carte blanche, it's not, it's not micro learning. I think what she's saying is that, and again, I think the nature of the content has to be such that you can do it in less than a minute. So let's say let's less how, how to scramble an egg. So well, no, not less than I mean. I guess. Wow, Jesus, that was uh, that was the um, that was the the cardinal rule. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have broke right there. But let's just say how to scramble an egg. Yes. So you could probably find a video out there it's that teaches TikTok. you how to scramble an egg. In a, what's that? It's on TikTok. It's on TikTok. You could probably find a TikTok video on how to scramble an yes. egg. So that would be something that's simple enough content that allows itself to fit her definition of micro learning. So compliance training definitely is not. So now we have this TD.org article saying compliance training can certainly be done through micro learning, which seems to be at odds with what she's saying. But, you know, everybody can have their own opinion, which is the beauty of this world that we live in. Well, but, um, I, think there, I, I think there's ways to do it. It just needs to be designed that way. Um, you know, there is a company that actually Cynthia and I kind of interviewed. They're, they're a really cool company and they're doing compliance training. Uh, I think we mentioned them before, but they're doing compliance training that's actually fun where you would want to go learn it and they're doing videos within the mic uh, within the compliance training um it's the videos are fun the videos are fun the actual instructor-led training is normal because their videos weren't signed off on yet so their their videos are like they're trying to turn the compliance training on its head and 
I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I think it's great um, because they're trying to make it more engaging. They're trying to give scenarios of what actually happens when you're, you know, taking advantage of a customer or doing, you know, the wrong thing for in our world, equal credit opportunity, right? So okay, they're showing this actual scenario. Okay, but is that micro learning or is that in addition to what we just trained you? And I, now I would, let's give an it, example of the skit and then let's talk about it. It was not, I was just more going for that it's compliance training and looking at compliance training differently. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily micro-learning. So let me let me throw this out there, because this was kind of what I took my big takeaway from the article, is that people still don't know how to use uh, micro-learning and, uh, and say where to put it. Um, I think, here's, here's my uninformed opinion on this. It's not the solution, it's a solution. So what happens if something's so damned important that we definitely can't be sued for this and we want to support people after the fact, um, why wouldn't we send, so we have them do a 20-minute e-learning module about regulation XYZ. And then bump and, it. And then bump, bump it with little micro-learning bits over the next week yep. and say, hey, don't forget about this part where this thing happened. Remember that thing? And then maybe you can even build that. Maybe there's a story that you deliver something over the next few days, you know? Right. So it could be part of an overall blended learning solution, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and over, I think it, so. It could probably overcome our, <laughs> what we found with the statistic, anywhere from 60 to 99% of all learning is lost within the next 30 days. Yay. Yeah. Well, so there is there is a thing in the next article. There's a quote in the next article that's very much like that. And the next article is called training new employees sucks three ways to make it faster, easier and more effective. Now, this is written by Jason Forrest. And this is the article that I said, "Mm, wait a second. Because I saw the headline and I thought, well, well, what's wrong with sharing new employees? You know what I mean? Like, what's what what's wrong with that? And I read the article and I didn't see anything about training new employees. It was about training, no doubt. It was about three specific things that make it faster and easier. But I couldn't for the life of me. So I, I did a Google or I did a control F search on the page to try to find the word new. And so this article comes from... What do you guys know this already, don't you? Where is it from? Entrepreneur.com. Entrepreneur.com. And um, this is, uh, yeah. So I did a control F and there's four instances. Oh, now there's nine. Must be some new ads on there. But uh, yeah, they're all from ads. None of the none of the things that say new are within the article. So I'm like, what the hell does this have to do with training new employees? So my guess is that an editor saw this and just threw a freaking headline on it that they didn't care about. Anyways, the reason um, and the segue I was trying to find from the previous article was Adam, you had just said that sixty between sixty and ninety nine percent are as lost uh, in some period of time. And the quote in here is. <laughs> Here we go. No, it's part of a longer one, too. (laughs) Brace yourself for a non-German voice. LinkedIn's 2017 workplace learning report discovered that only 8% of CEOs see an ROI for learning and development, yet more than 90% of them feel... Oh, that's the wrong quote. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was good. It was good. Damn it. 90% of them feel that closing the skills gap by using training would be a game changer for the business so basically yes what, that's true in that quote they're saying eight percent feel oh. there's an roi but 90 percent want it 
Yeah, that's right. Eight percent actually seeing ROI. So this is. Hey, I gotta land the plane on this 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 uh, this specific thing that's bugging me because I would I would be remiss. So that's it. Actually, comes up in the next piece where they say, and I just saw the nine. Damn it! It had to do with ninety days. Yeah. So it's it's, a, it's the next one. Gallup research shows that employee productivity typically spikes after one of events and returns to previous levels after mm-hmm. ninety days. So basically, saying yes. everything you did in training is gone within ninety days. In three months, you get a quarter. You get one quarter's worth of uh, a return on whatever investment you've got, which we if know. If they applied can, what they learned. That's right. That's right. Well, and so we know that we're not really measuring a lot of ROI based on the information that was read in this article. And it's a yes, only 8% of CEOs see an ROI for learning and development, which is, it's a, it's a pretty sad freaking state, isn't it? Well, my question is, is it... It, is it eight percent because every you know I don't have an answer for this. is measuring that, or is it eight percent out of the companies that measured it? Makes sense. So the link the link was in the article. Wait a second. Wait a second. You're saying did only eight percent? Wait. What was your question? What's so happening? my question is, how many companies did they do this research with? Were only eight percent. So how many companies really take it through to true ROI to really see if there's been an increase? Right. Well, they reference the 2017 LinkedIn Workplace Learning Report. No, I I think I know what you mean, and I'm sure the sample size would be. So it's LinkedIn Learning. So not a small organization, you know, a pretty significant company. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't quickly find where this... Uh, where their stats might be as far as how many people were involved in this, but let's assume several. Are we good with several? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, da, 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 service five I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like probably a lot. Like probably a lot. So I mean, even if it's let's even if let's say it's a hundred. I mean, if a hundred CEOs out there say they're only getting ROI stats from their L and D departments, that's not a good state. You know, and and I was talking with this with a coworker the other day that so many it seems like so many of our this this will this will lead us nicely in a couple of minutes into our training intake um, conversation about you know like so we have a trainer request now what the the idea that we have a lot of requests that are okay hey we got to train on this new thing all right. And that's pretty much it. Like we have to train on this new thing. Here's how the process works. Okay, now let let's do that. And this is this is not meant to be a complaint about subject matter experts because this seems to be as much mar- our responsibility to push back and say, well, what are you measuring that with? And uh, do you remember this was this was a couple episodes ago we were talking about Fortnite and I was talking about how there, uh-huh. I, I feel like there's some secret sauce that's in there about how they know everything that players do at all times yes. like forever they know everything they and the thing is, big yeah, brother well well and not even on a big brother sense but because because lord knows i've got enough tinfoil hats but the the idea that while at least while playing the game you you are they know exactly where you are on the map they know exactly how high you are off what is the ground on the map they know they know where other people are in proximity to like they know everything and there just doesn't seem to be that level well we know there's not that level of measurement in today's workplace mm-hmm. in just regular workplace so i think that's where it needs to start and i don't that, that's almost too big of a problem to solve you know i think it depends upon the organization <laughs> yeah that's what i'm tell saying tell me more 
I, I, I mean, I, I think some organizations do measure a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then when the organization is in a place that is measuring more and more and has the numbers and analytics behind it, the training department is able to get more of an R yep. quote traditional ROI. Um, in that respect, but Why are you quoting traditional ROI? Say, is, is there traditional an, is there an ROI, alternative, wait, like when one I say, with a tongue pierce or something? No, 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 no. When I'm talking traditional ROI, I'm saying okay, we took the, this training affected this number. Okay, so like a sales number, we went to training. You you could pretty much tie it directly there. That's traditional ROI. It's easy to measure based on a, me, a business metric. There's Why also do you keep saying traditional. I don't well, understand this. That's what I was getting to. I think there's parts of other things that are much harder to measure and almost impossible to measure of when you're investing in your employees. Do they stay longer? Or do they not? That, that That's a harder number to measure. I don't know a lot of times that you can really measure that, but if, you're, if your employees are being trained and going to training, anecdotally, they're probably going to stay longer than employees that get no training or no, no, no development. If your training is good, and yes, there is a part for, you know, Kirkpatrick one smile sheets, they feel better about their job. If they go to a training class, they're pumped up, they're excited. You may not be able to see it right there in a the number, but there, there probably is some type of ROI there. There's some but of those things. But that's where, that come. if especially if it's new hires and it's not easy everywhere, I mean, but in certain positions or departments, there's definitely ROI you can get for after training to, you know, to say because they got this training in 30 days, they should be able to do this, 60 this, 90 that. And so there's that kind of definite for new hires ROI. It's just whether or not you can partner with that business department and really sit down and create those numbers and that are, you know, realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, provided that the department has the their, has measurements on yeah, that. Yeah, and I've done it in in several departments where we were um, able to measure that to because they say this is where they need to be. Um, and we also that's, had I mean that's that's nesting. a perfect scenario, right? Yeah, and we had nesting areas where we also had very structured productivity and things of where they needed to be at certain times, and uh, then we I, this, had this, gap training. Because I don't know what if you mean by nestings. I haven't heard that before. So like bullpens. So they weren't exactly just thrown to the wolves to do their job. They went oh, for okay. three week, like three to four center. weeks. And they weren't put out onto the floor to until they were actually meeting certain numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's like that goldfish in the bag, right? Yeah. You, th you, so, throw, yeah. You, th you throw it in the tank, let the water warm up a little but bit, it, or let it, it come to the same temperature? It took a while, you know, and it took a strong partnership, mm -hmm. but, and, you know, and it took some revisions, but we definitely got it down to, you know, where we could really measure and talk about with those bullpen managers and with our business partners about, you know, gaps we possibly had in training um, because we noticed definite gaps in all of them. Or mm -hmm. what kind of, you know, within that bullpen during week one, two, three, and four, could we do up training on mm -hmm. um, to help okay. them reach those numbers and what was their ROI? And then there's a couple times where if, if you do a strong needs analysis and you really have a great partnership, it's, it's very, you can find the ROI when it comes to production. 
and what you want to change. Well, so that's it. So, so maybe it's a needs analysis thing then. And, and then maybe that's part of the questions that we ask the, the subject matter experts or the stakeholders about where mm-hmm. they're coming from. And so I... And it all begins, it goes all the way back always to how strong a relationship have you built with that business partner where they trust you enough to get to those conversations. Well, I I think the trust would certainly kind of lubricate the wheels a little bit, but there's no reason that someone that's new couldn't say, so what measurements do we have about this? Or, or how do we know there's a gap in actual training? I think it helps. It kind of, it, it propels it forward a lot more, but there's no reason that a new person can't ask those questions. Well, absolutely not. But it's, it, it's so much easier because they already understand where you're coming from and why you're sure. doing it. And and they're more open to spending time with meetings for you inst- because you have taught them and trained them about why training is important. Well, let me let me ask you, how many is it reasonable, unreasonable for stakeholders that like I don't think the training department would be going to stakeholders a lot saying, "Hey, I'd like to do this training for you." I mean, sometimes that might happen, but I have. it's probably going to be Okay, great. If we were looking at the numbers, though, it's probably more people coming to the L&D department and saying, hey, I've got a problem that needs to be fixed. So uh, I I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. No. All right. Maybe it's not. I I, uh, I know. I, I even brought something today. I brought something up to a business partner. Yeah. And and the funny thing was that business partner was like, I just had a conversation with this about this on yesterday. Mm. Well, so you're in tune and there, there's that relationship piece. Mm -hmm. You're in tune with the business and that's important. No doubt that relationship piece is important, but I guess I'm wondering, and and maybe we could talk more about it in the, the training intake pieces is, are there certain questions that we can ask? Are there certain ways that we can approach a situation that, that make it a little bit easier to kind of not paint by numbers, but to follow the bouncing ball as it were, to get the information that uh, um, somebody on an L&D team might need to build something to solve a gap, to fix a gap, you know? Uh, let's just quickly wrap up Jason Forrest's article from uh, entrepreneur.com. And again, the title of this was Training New Employees Sucks. I'm not sure why it's titled that. Uh, but uh, you can find this link at mosby.ca slash 022. There were three big things that he had suggested in this article to make sure that the training stays effective. One of them is belief based training and uh, i think the punchline there was uh, well it goes back to that whole people forget stuff because it's no longer important after training because they don't do things because they don't really believe in doing the thing so he had encouraged uh, making things kind of more belief based now that sounds really complicated because unless you include a hymn book uh, it's it seems seems tricky um any thoughts there on you guys from that one on the belief-based training? I get it. I think it was, I when I first saw it, I thought it was weird. But, I mean, I get what he's saying when you read that mm-hmm. part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to, I mean, it's like, you know, we were talking today in one of our classes about, you know, and I used to do this in collections all the time, is, is you got to show them how it's going to bring them success and something they value or it's going to help them give them what they want and so that's when I started reading that part that's more so where I turn to is you got to change their sometimes you got to you know help 
give them a paradigm shift Hmm. um, and, you know, and to help them see how this product or this training or whatever it is, is going to help them in their lives. Hmm. So that's kind of how I saw it. It's not like, oh, belief based biblical or spirituality or anything, but it's like it's going from that sense of you, you got to help them see how it's going to help them be great. Yep. No, that uh, that, that makes sense. It just seems tricky. Yeah. And if you don't, then then they're just not going to change. But you've got to instill that to change it in them. Yeah. The, well, the other two things, I don't think they really e- either seem much easier. One is train your leaders. So you're kind of your middle managers. And the other one is craft your culture. Now, if you look at the middle managers, they should absolutely get maybe more intensive training or or a little bit more detailed training than than the frontline staff should get so that they can not only coach when they need to or or help uh help you know maintain the uh, the behavior changes but to also be cheerleaders of sorts but it shouldn't just end with uh, the middle managers it should go all the way up the uh, up the food chain and that's kind of that crafter culture piece too so crafter culture i mean like how that seems very difficult to address in training you, you would, of course, have culture as part of that training because it's within the company that it's within. You know, you're going to have the things in forests have leaves. It's pretty easy to, to make that connection. But um, the idea of crafting your culture sounds like a bigger effort that's going to require a lot of those relationships that you mentioned a few minutes ago, Gibbs, that you need to lean on people and you need to talk to people. And there's a lot of, if I, if I could use a buzzword, socialization that needs to happen there. And uh, you got to rely on a lot of people for something like that. I don't know. That's it. That's it. I want to move on, though, unless you guys have anything else you want to say there. Um, so Adam's really quiet. but Yeah, is he, Adam, are you still there? Um, yeah, I'm here. I was just thinking of this when they're talking about culture. And the, the reason I was thinking about today is because um, we've launched a new training class and um, it's our second time doing it. And it was really interesting because one of the things we've added is our human resources person. And this last two times it's actually been our CHRO come in and his the whole topic is about building the company's culture and Mm. i he's it's they love it these new employees Mm. are loving it and i think it's just and and we are as a company still building our culture and he was talking about you know wanting to give the company a a personality he doesn't like the word culture but wanting to give the company a personality and Mm. um and saying how we're building our culture here and we're building our personality and they eat it up like Mm. they he is one of their most favorite uh topics that we've had and we have several guest speakers and so you know i saw when i was reading this i it made me totally think of that of how we're building that culture and that personality in them within their first week and a half at the job and it's kind of it's really awesome like it's really exciting Mm -hmm. and you know and how he's bringing that about and and he's yeah and they just love it it's one of and when we debrief every time you know it's only been two times but when we end the day and ask him what's their biggest aha and they talk about I'm so excited about 
the personality or the culture this company is working to build. That's awesome. Well, you've got and that's that's a great example because that shows you the senior leadership buy-in, the senior leader that's coming in that's saying, "Hey, this is important." And it's not only important because you guys are here and you're learning, etc., but you're also there's also this culture piece that I want to share with you. And you also brought up kind of the idea of a personality. That's really cool. I've I poked at that with like uh, brand personas um, mm-hmm. before, and I think that's a really neat idea because it really helps people very quickly say like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I get that. I know what that is now. I get it. Cool. You know, so that, that that's really interesting. Adam, anything to add there? No, no. <laughs> so, no, I think uh, I think Kev's hit it on the head. All right. All right. He's like uh, reading okay. a different article or something. <laughs> He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. He's like right, multitasking. Um, you know what? Let's let's move on. We were going to do that can train and fix it, which it just, it really, there was a sad state of affairs where a guy was, he, he somehow found himself into the ceiling tiles of a roof, I think. And it's just, I, I, I don't know what the deal was, but you can find the article on Florida Man, <laughs> which is an incredible website about the uh, world's worst superhero. So uh, check that out on your own time. So So let's just jump into the big thing then. Which is the 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 concept, the conversations around training intake. So somebody knocks on your door and they say, "Hey, uh, we kind of we we've got some ideas about training, and we need this we need this gap solved." And then you got to say, "Okay, cool," and and you have to roll with that, and you have to come up with something. So. Um, well, I'm not going to ask you, I guess, to tip your cards. There was a couple of things that I'll include in the show notes because I was looking at this the other day, and one of them was a article from trainingindustry.com, and the other one was from uh, Kathy Moore, who is the name I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with. She's she's certainly a somebody in the industry, and it was from her website. So this thing the other day, let me pull up this uh, because I had it, and then I I had it, and then I lost it. Uh, what is it? So this is a, a template. There was actually a template, a training request form template that was on trainingindustry.com. And I'm just going to kind of go through some of the things that are on here and just, you know, okay, do they make sense? Yeah, okay, let's move on. Or or what's what's missing from this list maybe? So on a high level, what do we have here? Obviously, who's asking for the training, what the, uh, the training topic might be. Now, I find it interesting that in a training request form, one of the categories is training topic slash name. So I guess if it was a system, you might say system blank, you know, procedure X or something like that. I don't know. But I I find it, it's almost as dangerous to call it a document, a final version of a document. Because as soon as you label it final, like 20 minutes later, somebody emails in with this last minute is, oh, I just got one more thing I need to fix. Um, so to, to be so presumptive as to give it a name early seems dangerous to me. Uh, the business goal and benefit, that seems to feel all right. Uh, what else do we have here? Strategic alignment. How does it align with company objectives? Is that something you guys consider on the regular? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, the, this training request form, it, it, it's a form. It, you know, I think a lot of times these things come down from, you know, a a a training group and says, Hey, the business needs to fill this out. And I think that that's where it kind of falls apart. These are questions that 
anybody who's consulting with the business should be able to fill out. You know, it's like mm-hmm. some of the companies go down and say, hey, you got to do this intake request form. And so you put it to the business. But I think if you use this as a guideline to say, hey, here's the questions you should be asking for your business when you're consulting with them, I think it works out really, really well. Um, and I would ask any of the, you know, training uh, liaisons, hey, can you answer all these questions on the project? And so your strategic alignment, absolutely, right? So I think that that's one that, I'm running into currently is there's requests coming off from all over the place. You hit them in the hallway, you're kind of mm-hmm. hitting them. That's where I love getting training requests too. When you're going from class to class, <laughs> Hey, Hey, we need training on this. Oh, do you? Um, but it, it, it kind of goes back to where does the prioritization go and whose priority actually is it? Right. And so mm-hmm. understanding whose priority and then where it is in the, kind of the top 10 or top 20 goals of the overall organization. And and so I think it's a very fair question. Where does it align with that objective? Uh, What about, so what about what data or metrics do you wish to improve? That's something that. (laughs) That's what you got to ask it, right? uh, It is because that, that's, that's usually, it's funny that people that even might be very number heavy and detail centric that they wouldn't bring you. A stat like, hey, listen, this is the needle you need to move. Right. Um, that that seems like it would be the but first thing that you it, might want to lead with. If it matches with the company objectives, then you you should. That's an important question to answer. Right. right but, well, it's it's but, always an important question to answer, but regardless. It could, it could be though it matches with the company objective, but training may not be the solution. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. If right. If absolutely. You can, yeah, it's a, hey, I'm doing this because of this big initiative for 2022 or 20, mm-hmm. 2020, but I have no way to measure it. I have no anything. And we just wanted them to know, like it's a knowledge transfer of, I just want the people to mm-hmm. know this. Well, it's not training because there was but no the answer to that data metric question could tell you it's not training. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I think we're saying the same thing. I love it. Uh, what else is on here? I don't know. Communication plan. That's interesting. That's something that we did talk about. Um, and we, well, we've all talked about this in the past that it's not enough to just make the training. You got to kind of warn people about it. You got to invite them to it or you got to, you know, encourage them to take it. And then you got to tell them about it afterwards a little bit too, to, uh, to make sure that those most important points get hit home. So can I say something about that though, too? I um, think that'd be all right. I don't think it's just a communication plan of, hey, we're bringing out training. I think with your business partner and with your SMEs, there needs to be a very strong communication plan of their roles and responsibilities and dates during the actual development and design. So you need specific, are you saying specific dates? Because what I find is that during development, because of maybe other conflicting projects or priorities and the content itself, sometimes dates that are set early are, are never actually realized. Well, and I'm not necessarily talking like deadline dates or et cetera, but like, hey, you know, we're planning to implement this on this date. So I'm mm. not saying the dates have to be super specific, but a, a communication plan has to go with your business partner and with this means throughout that whole design and development process. And then sure. there needs a strong communication plan for the whole implementation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, uh, some, I, I almost think 19 is too far down. Well, I don't know if it's ranked. I think they're just listed. Yeah, but, but you know, so, yeah. 
the um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm still. I guess I'm still recovering from my voice situation from last week here. Um, you know, it, it's funny because the things that come up in this template, they all seem to make sense, and that's that's when I clicked the few, the few uh, options lower on the page of my Google search results, and it was this Kathy Moore article, and the the header is "Burn Your Training Request Form," and I thought, oh, well, I just got really comfortable with the idea of this form, um, <laughs> and what she's saying is that there's it, it almost puts the wrong. Uh, mentality or the, the it, it positions it the wrong way to to the client so that you're kind of putting yourself into a corner when it's about training so she's her, her big thing is uh, don't not training not training in quotes but development if you have to have a form call it something like a development request to make sure make clear your job is to improve performance not create training on demand and that's that's interesting Adam I think you've talked about the before about kind of uh, what performance specifically was I think the phrase you had used but this idea of it's not it's not the asset shouldn't be the thing that we're focused on and really a lot of the times it is the thing that we're focused on we should be focused on moving the needle on changing the behavior the performance right it's what is the performance goal and i think what kathy's also saying is far too often we use these forms as a crutch and i've seen it in a lot of, i've seen it in other departments too right we i've seen it with marketings and i've seen it with policy and procedure departments i've seen it with um, anything that takes an intake of service departments, right? Like at the telephone side, hey, we need to open tickets. Anytime you put that type of formality and say, hey, you need to fill out this form, uh-huh. you lose that conversation of what do you really want to accomplish and you lose the consulting edge with it. And ultimately, mm-hmm. because you create such a formality, I think you you don't get the true performance out of it. And, um, and that's a good point because when you're saying that, it just becomes a task. Right. Mm. And then some of the business won't even do it or do it ineffectively. And then you're not really, and then you're relying on it versus having the conversation to really mm-hmm. understand it because all of those questions in that form probably could use a follow-up. And mm-hmm. so what is the goal that you're, you're looking to meet? What is it currently that you're, you're at? How long have you been there? Why do you want to change it? How does that hit? You know, they 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 should keep going. Those that's the mm-hmm. start of that conversation, but it should keep going deeper and deeper. Who you know? And, it, and there's a couple of things that I think we're missing there, and it might have been on there. There's twenty of them. I might have missed it, but like, you know, who are some people that are doing it right now? If that is part of that 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 training request yeah. form, right? And yeah, you know, what does yeah, by that, that you like? mean? Who's doing it correctly? Currently, correct. If well, it's a if it's a re- yeah. if it's a change type training like that, where some people are yeah. doing it right, some people are not. Sometimes it's not right. Sometimes it's a new process uh-huh. all the way across. And, but and and the other question too is not only who's doing it right or who's doing it wrong, but who in the heck has time for all of that with how fast we move? Yeah, I mean, wow. I think, a lot of times. I think that de- yeah. that depends upon the organization. But yeah. If if you're asking all these questions up front, you have a better chance of being succeeding and actually moving the needle, right? And and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head here a little bit ago, Cynthia. It kind of comes down to the overall needs analysis, right? The more mm-hmm. questions that you ask, the deeper of a needs analysis you do, generally you're going to have a better outcome because you did the digging up front. And yep. uh, far too often we don't. So an intake process is good and it's good to have consistency. But I think mm-hmm. that entire skill is often overlooked. And then 
training departments as a whole and just trainers are looking to please without slowing it down there and then rush through the rest of the project. Yep. If you slow it down just a little bit here, the project is more likely to succeed. You're going to have better adoption. You're going to be able to move that needle. And the yeah. less scope creep if you do a strong well, needs analysis. <laughs> Scope creep always well, seems to happen. I, I guess you're going you're gonna to creep in advance because you're going to find out the actual scope of the project. So, yeah, it would, uh, it would really initially encompass everything that it should eventually encompass anyways. Yeah, and I don't – I'm not saying there won't be some changes, et cetera, but the, the scope creep is – okay, I mean, isn't as crazy you know mm. like it, in the end it's still pretty much solid mm. uh, yeah because you spent enough time asking about the problem to yeah. begin with yeah and again yeah. it comes back to that relationship and that partnership where you do feel like there's being some major scope creep when you have that relationship you can say let's go back to what the scope truly was yeah. and are we saying it's changed <laughs> Well, and, it, yeah, and I think ultimately it be, it's, yes, it's a partnership, but it also depends upon the organization, right? So mm -hmm. some training organizations are not expected to actually consult with their clients. They are, yep. they are run as a service, a, a kind of a, here's a shared service and you don't consult and the, the business knows best or even training departments that are, let's say, a, a, um, a contracting company, they don't get to consult. They basically nope. do, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like, hey, we have this project. Here's what we want. Okay. And you just go and execute. Um, so not everybody has that ability, though, to build a partnership like that. Um, and it just really depends mm -hmm. upon the organization because I think some of them, some people do not have that ability. So... Mm -mm. Certain companies right. will rely on this, and and that's what the training organization builds off of. Um, first, being able to actually consult. I, I think we've been blessed in some of the companies we're at that we're able to have the business partners where, you know, not all the time. Sometimes you just got to train, but we have the ability to build those relationships and actually impact their business as training consultants and performance improvement. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you uh, both very much for kind of talking through that a little bit. We'll make sure that both of these uh, articles that are uh, we talked about here in this particular section are with the other ones we talked about today at mosby.ca slash zero two two, where you can find the show notes for this. If you want to send this email, we're not done. I got a message from Portland here that I've got to open up. Check that out. Um, if you want to send this email, though, mosbylearning at gmail.com is where you can send that. Maybe you've got... Um, Maybe you've got a really, really good intake process, or maybe you ask those probing questions really, really well. I'd love to hear those. We'd all love to hear those. Maybe share them with the greater good here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, so I've got this uh, last thing for today. I've got this note from, from Portland, so. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! All right, um, and I haven't, I, I, I've been regretting, or, or, or not regretting, um, uh, not looking forward to reading this since the last episode because we were like on thin ice you know what i mean <laughs> it was dicey yeah, was. Uh, and i don't even know if we're out of the woods yet <laughs> no, no, no. uh so here we go um here we go uh, dear, uh hello daniel uh so that's pretty formal uh, my name is rowan and i am new to the corrections or I, I am the new corrections officer assigned to your podcast interesting uh oh and just for ladies and gentlemen there's there's some folks out there that aren't really familiar with uh with who portland is they're just the regulated regulatory body here they keep an eye making sure that uh podcasters uh, just don't overstep bounds that they should so uh i apologize for the sudden 
change. Yeah, he's a new corrections officer. Uh, I apologize for the sudden change as we usually like to transitions gradually between corrections officers. I know you have come to expect a minimum uh, two episode warning. There will be a change uh, and I feel I owe you some transparency. Um, it seems your previous correction officer, Braden, suddenly took ill Monday evening while at work. Oh, jeez. Um, while listening to Monday evening releases, and he suddenly snapped, did some damage in his cubicle, and needed to be removed from the premises. Good lord. I, I haven't been officially updated as to his status, but as it's been hinted at... Uh, to me, he may have been at least temporarily institutionalized, and you and I may need to get used to working together for at least a foreseeable future. Wow. Uh, due to the chaos in the office, I have not been able to officially review episode 21. I may not get to it in time for your next recording. Uh, I'll be sure to review episode 22 in a timely fashion. Look forward to working with you, Rowan. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, that might be a good thing because bad news for Braden, but. If they don't catch wind of episode 21, that probably works out to everybody's benefit. It's probably good. It's probably yeah, a good right. thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adam, where can, where can folks find out about you? If they want to learn about the the incredibly witty things that you put out there into the world socially, where would they find sure, those? Sure, it's just Adam Costix, and I'm on LinkedIn. Adam Costix on LinkedIn, and that's C. Is it it's C-O-S-T-A-K-E-S? Yes, sir. Okay, so it's just the 1K in that. Very good. Uh, Gibbs, how about yourself? Same place. Same LinkedIn. place. Uh, and that's C-O-S-T-A-K-E-S? Yes. Very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Dan Talks Training. And it, it kind of looks like it says Dan Talks Straining. I don't know what that would this mean. This uh, could be true with some of those those slow-mo pictures of yourself it gets what does that even mean it's frightening <laughs> sometimes where you stop them <laughs> i don't even know what you're talking about like, um, oh this is this is a this is another shot at me about the picture that i put out on linkedin <laughs> unbelievable you're rude gibbs uh, on twitter you can find me people at, nightmares uh, Dan Talks LND. Gosh, none taken. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, so Dan Talks LND on Twitter. And uh, also, you can find that we put the show notes or the show uh, in its entirety on YouTube. And if there's something, if there's a small segment that we want to pull out of there, we do that too. So you can find those. Um, I think my just my YouTube handle is Daniel Hurt. So maybe that's where Ro Rowan got my name from. Uh, but uh, yeah, D A N I E L H I R T. And we also have a, a Mosby learning twitter handle adam what uh, what's that one must be learning i love it there it is nice it. and I easy asked. it's not like six different I... things like your 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 handles okay okay i see <laughs> i see how, how can it you is. make it more confusing <laughs> should just be I like know. dan talks lnd on every channel like, it, like yes you know what i need to do i need to actually put a social media page on mosby.ca so that i can just say go here and they can well, get everything they want. And wasn't it when we started, you only wanted to be in one place? Oh, don't uh, don't mistake me. I don't want to be in any other places. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I want to be on LinkedIn, but <laughs> for the sake of the program, um, I've I've done I went where the people are, Cynthia, because that's what I need to do. You got to go where people are, otherwise they don't know you're there. All eleven of them. That's right. Now they know. Okay. All right. So problem solved. Actually, um, doesn't matter how many. Size doesn't matter, folks. All right, that's it for us. Thank you very much. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
repulses, right? The more that you ask, the deeper of a need that you do, mm-hmm. generally you're going to have a better mm-hmm. because you did the digging up front. Mm-hmm. And uh, far too often we don't. So, like, what the hell does this have to do with new employees?